0: The more end-time events we see occurring, the more educated questions we receive at End-Time Ministries. Everyone wants to know what's going on in our world. On today's edition of End of the Age, Doug Norvell and I will endeavor to answer many of those questions, so don't touch that dial. Good afternoon everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries and I'm here today with Doug Norvell. It's the first time I think we've been on the air together, Doug, and we're doing a, our programming from the general conference floor in Indianapolis, Indiana. Today's our last day here, then we'll be heading back tomorrow and be back in the studios in Dallas on Monday. Thank you all for joining us. And there will be some ambient noise in the background. You just have to bear with us that's part of being in this big uh, conference uh, arena here. And so um, very thankful to have been here. It's been a great conference. And we skipped last year because of COVID, but we're happy to be back here. And, folks, I'm telling you, the church in America is strong. A lot of the news media and things would like to think, hey, the church is uh, going off, you know, into the oblivion. But that is not true. The Bible says, during the times of the Antichrist that they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. That's where the church is at in America right now. And I know the, that there are agendas being pushed, and there's, there's abortion and there's LGBTQ and uh, people being ordained in you know certain platforms, and a lot of different things are happening, and the enemy would like to think, like to get you to think that, hey, they're, they're winning. But the fact of the matter is, is the church is strong. God's kingdom is increasing, and it is awesome, and I love it, and I'm so thankful for that because the Bible says, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And so the church is the light in this world. The Bible says you're a a city sitting on a hill. We're the light of the world. Politics is Satan's method of ruling the world. The church is God's method of ruling the world. So if you want a place of safety in the end time, get in a true Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that teaches Jesus Christ and is not afraid to say the name of Jesus and to pray in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says all you do in word or deed, do in that name. So the church is strong, powerful, and God is moving. His kingdom is expanding in the world, and I'm so thankful for that. So, uh, Doug, yeah, how are we doing?
1: Doing great. You know, Dave, one of the great things about being here is the fact that you get to experience revival because this, this is edifying for us uh, to be able to come and to see all of the, uh, the people that support us, get to talk to the pastors, uh, many people that are coming and giving us testimony about folks coming to their church. And uh, we're sending them to those churches. And they're just pumped up. They're excited. They're seeing revival happen. And that's what's great about it. It gives us edification knowing that, hey, we're seeing revival starting right now. And this is the end time revival we're talking about. It's happening. It's beginning to uh, prosper right now, I believe. Right. Well, um, yeah, and that, that's the thing. So you and
0: I, as ministers at End Time, we've sent literally thousands and thousands of people around the world. To different churches, and they've been baptized, they've been born again, they've been saved, and we've had many of those pastors missionaries from Bolivia. One of our first question here today is from uh, some missionaries in Bolivia, and they've come to us and telling us, "Hey, thank you guys, we're watching you." I had a guy this morning tell me that um, he's got a little, he's up in northern Alaska. And they've got a little, like a 2,000-watt station. I mean, he said it's almost nothing. But they play our our end-of-the-age radio program on that little station up in northern Alaska where there is nothing but, you know, mountains and rivers and things like that. And he said, you guys are broadcast up there. I met him in the elevator this morning. (laughs) So it's so cool. This thing is going everywhere. And I'm so thankful because we've been talking to people all week. The crazier this world gets, the more people are looking to end-time ministries and wanting a, a voice of truth and... Um, just some answers of what's going on. That's really what our program's devoted to today is a Q&A segment. We're not going to be able to do an open line and so from here on the conference floor, but what we wanted to do, you and I, was to take a lot of questions that we've got from some people here on the floor at the conference and from our, a lot of our social networking and answer a bunch of those questions today. So, Let's get to as many of those questions as we can, Doug, okay. and um, go ahead and start. You talked to the lady from Bolivia yesterday, yeah. and she had a really good question. What is that?
1: Yeah, so she's a missionary, like you said, from Bolivia, and her question is, is the white horse rider the pope from Revelation chapter 6?
0: Yeah, so that, that is something a lot of people have been taught, um, and it kind of ties in because of Catholicism. But they actually believe that those are, they've been taught that those riders of the four horsemen are actually physical horses, physical riders, and that those will be physical men. And so, yeah, we want to kind of clear that up. I wanted to clear that up for her. So the the first four seals, if you guys are not familiar with this, some of you are, some of you may not be because we're getting so many new listeners all the time. The first four seals are the four horsemen. Of the apocalypse, Doug. You know that there have been so, there's been books written about these. There have been movies made where actual four horsemen with these kind of like these, um, what do you call the the grim reaper riders are coming across the land and they're killing yeah. people and all this stuff. That's simply not the case, right? And somebody misinterpreted at that point. So the four horsemen contained in, in the prophecies found in Revelation six, verse one through eight. The white horse, um, it, Revelation 6, one through two described. The white horse, and it says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard as that were a noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he, so when it says, And he that sat upon him, a lot of people would say, Well, I recognize that as Catholicism, so that he has to be the pope. And he that sat upon him had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Then it describes a red horse, says that when he opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, uh, say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon on to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Then there's a black horse, Revelation 6, 5 through 6. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And, beh- and I beheld, lo, a black horse. He that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. See, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And then finally, the pale horse, which you and I both know should have been translated green, because the word pale there is chloros in the original Greek. So it should have been translated green. But the the writers, he's sitting there trying to translate this, and he looks at it and goes, Green horse. I've never seen a green horse. So right. he translates it. It could be pale green. So he translated it. He used the pale portion of that. But the, 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 it's described in Revelation 6, verse 7 through 8. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice from the fourth beast say, Hey, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale, should have been green horse. His name that sat upon him was Death and Hell, followed after him. And power was given him over them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword, hunger, death, and the beasts of the earth. So that's the first four seals, and I'll get into the answer a little more detailed on the other side of the break here. And uh, you're, you're not going to want to miss this, folks. We've got a lot of great questions, and it's going to be very informative. So, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us
2: today. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search Into the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play.
3: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times...
0: Welcome back everybody and I'm with Doug Norvell today on the air with me in Indianapolis Indiana from our uh, huge general conference here and we're answering the question is the rider on the back of the white horse in Revelation chapter 6 the Pope and actually he you know it's it's really not and I'm, well we're gonna I'm gonna get into that a little bit further however I've got an announcement really quick next Friday i will be on air with uh jim and lori baker on um his program in branson missouri and so i i think it's going to air live i'm not sure about that but i just wanted you to be aware of that it's coming up before very long i was on um a zoom program with him i was on a program with him on zoom uh, a few months ago they called us and wanted me to come up to branson to be on the program with them so that's happening next friday it may air live i'm not sure uh but it within the next you know few weeks uh, i'll be on the air with him and so i I think many of you would be interested in that it's going to be an awesome time and uh jim and Lori baker loved my father-in-law irvin baxter and they're excited to have us up there the the first interview we did went great um me and jim and Lori just clicked and all of their team their mondo and the rest of them and so uh, looking forward to being up there with Jim and Lori Baker next Friday uh, at, in Branson. So I just wanted to mention that uh, to make sure you can be watching up for that.
1: There there too, Dave, that come to the, that to watch live. And so if they're in the area, you guys come up and say hi today because that's an incredible setting. Uh, so they can
0: come into the...
1: Yeah, you okay. can actually come and set on the set with a it's a live audience and it just really it pumps it up oh, it's neat. so much different than the way we do things in a studio where we are talking to our audience the yeah. audience is actually there it's really cool. oh cool no that'd be awesome so
0: yeah i mean uh, you might you might check with if you're up in that area somewhere in branson next friday morning uh you might call the jim baker jim and Lori baker program and see if you can come in be in live audience that'd be awesome and i look forward to meet a meeting you, many of you um okay doug so let's finish answering this question here is the rider a physical man that will be riding a horse, the white horse, in the end time? You know, sometimes there is more account. I've told you many times that when you're studying any topic in the Bible, you've got to look at every verse that pertains to that topic. If you don't, you're going to miss one of the clues and you might misinterpret it. Right. So I've actually talked to people here on the conference floor about these seals this week. And I, I said, uh, well, are you familiar with Zechariah chapter 6? And they're like, what do you mean? Yeah. I'm like, well, well, that's the big giant clue that helps to interpret this. So sometimes there are more than one account of the same prophecy in different places in the Bible. It's very important. So by comparing those different accounts, then you can acquire a, a fuller understanding of the meaning of the prophecy. So... What one account of the prophecy doesn't tell you, then another account will come along and give you the clues. It fills in the gap. So, fortunately, there is another account of the four horsemen prophecy. It was given in the Old Testament six hundred years, Doug, before the Revelation account. It's found in Zechariah chapter six, verse one through eight, and it says this: "And I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there came four chariots out of the out from between the two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of brass." And the first chariot were red horses. Now remember uh, Revelation 6, verse 1 through 8. So go go back to Zechariah. There were red horses pulling chariots. The second, there were black horses. Then the third were white horses. And in the fourth chariot, grizzled and bay horses. Then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these spirits? And the angel answered and said unto me, "These. Now this is very important. These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the lord of all the earth the black horses which are there and go forth into the north country so these are spirits dug coming out that are going into the earth they go forth into the north country the white go forth after them the grizzle go forth into this towards the south country and the bay went forth and sought to go and they might walk to and fro through the earth and he said go that go you hence Walk to and fro through the earth. So they walked to and fro through the earth. Then he cried unto me and spake unto me, saying, Behold, these that go forth towards the north country have quieted my spirit in the north country. So, according to Zechariah, Doug, these are the four horses which are depicted pulling chariots, and the colors of the horses are very important. In Revelation, there's a white, red, black, and pale horse. In Zechariah, we find a white, red, black. And then the King James Version says that the fourth chariot pulled was a grizzled and bay horse. Other translations describe these four horses as strong, spotted horses. Some say horses dappled and strong. So the colors of the first three horses, they match perfectly. Mm-hmm. This is extremely important uh, because the colors are highly significant, and I'll get to them in just a moment, and then uh, we'll go on to the next question. But what do the horses and their riders symbolize? Not the not Pope Francis, a physical character. Zechariah six four through five gives us a huge clue. Then I answered and said to the angel, "What are these, my lord?" And the angel said, "These are the four spirits of the heavens, which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth." So, what are these horses and riders? These are four spirits, and you know what does that mean? Well, the, the, what, what spirits could we associate a white, red, black, and a pale, which we now know is green, as and um, so, you know, when you think of spirits that move through nations, that capture the hearts and the minds of men, the ideologies, these thought um, processes in people's mind that cause people to have to behave as they do and even to cause nations to go to war, what are those spirits represented by these colors? Well, the white spirit we know now, Doug, is, when is, I mean, we've got entire lessons, we've talked about this many times, the white spirit is Catholicism. So not the physical pope and not a physical horse, but the spirit of Catholicism in the world, the red spirit, communism, the black spirit, capitalism, and then the pale green spirit is Islamism. And you can see the, the, um, the upsurge in that in our world today. The spirit of the rising spirit of Islamism in the world can consider Afghanistan. And uh, the uh, um, the Taliban and all this stuff. I just heard about a huge bombing. Did you hear? There was a a uh, suicide bombing in northern Afghanistan today,
4: no, where where fifty
0: some yet. people were killed. Wow. And so, it, it, I mean, that's all comes from the is this uprising in Islam. Uh, so, and let me ask you this: Yeah, Dave, absolutely. So,
1: so it, when we read about that Pelgreen Spirit, it says that. Uh, it'll conquer the fourth of the earth some people think that that means that a fourth of the earth is killed by that spirit but that's not what that scripture's right. saying at all right 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 so that scripture's letting us know that they'll be over a fourth of the earth and when you look at islam islam controls a fourth of the middle east right now right. Or, or a fourth of the earth right. in all the places in the middle east that they have conquered and they mm-hmm. control they control most of africa and people don't even realize that. right and Asia and all those Mm -hmm. areas. So uh, that's not talking about killing a fourth of the earth. That's talking about being in control of a fourth of the earth.
0: Yeah, so um, Islam has about... So there's just almost 8 billion people on the earth today. Islam has about 1.8 to 1.9 billion adherents so that they have control over about one-fourth a part of the earth. It does not say that they will... This is another... I'm glad you brought that up. So this is another misinterpretation. The Bible does not say they will kill right. one-fourth part of the earth. Right. The Bible says they will have power over one-fourth over part of the sea. earth. Yeah. And then it says to kill, da-da-da-da-da. So, right. yeah, that's, that's a great misinterpretation of Scripture. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that point up, Doug. And, that, and once you put all those clues together, and, we, of course, we've got a whole lesson yeah. on this. The, it would be, um, will Islam rule the world? And it talks about this in great detail. We have good doc- documentation for all of this. We can prove that the white spirit, the red spirit, the black spirit—what all. Refer- so, yeah. yeah, great question. And uh, that was from a missionary from Bolivia, right here at the right conference here. this week. Yeah. So,
1: really cool. Yeah. Okay, Doug, let's move on, man. Okay, so we have uh, Sierra Satterfield from Indiana asked this question. Uh, it says that she came across a video where Pastor Baxter stated that the Bible never mentions seven years, but only three and a half years. Uh, is this true? Okay, so when we talk about, uh,
0: so I think she may have uh, kind of been uh, not, not really know what to ask. I, I think she, she heard something and then thought, well, I'll just ask about it. But I, Let me kind of clarify for everybody that's listening. So there is a final seven-year period. Daniel's 70th week, it's the, uh, the final seven-year period just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I think she's referring to the fact that Irvin Baxter may have said in one of his programs that the tribulation only lasts three and a half years of that seven, which is correct. Yeah. Um, and so not that there was just a three-and-a-half-year period. But there will be a final seven, but that final seven years is not all tribulation, only the final three and one half years. So where does this stem from? So Daniel nine twenty seven, the Bible says, and he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. It's a week of years. It's a final seven-year period. And in the midst of that week, this is very important, in the middle of that week, so three and one half years in, he shall cause the sacrifice, the oblation to cease, for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So in Daniel 9, 27, it states that the event called the abomination of desolation will occur in the middle of that final seven-year period. Well, uh, you remember, Doug, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24, 15 through 21, he said that the abomination that would start the great tribulation. He said, when you see the abomination occur, uh, spoken up by Daniel the prophet, he refers back to this exact verse, Daniel 9, 27. He says um, that that event, the abomination of desolation, would start the great tribulation. So there are six different scriptures that let us know the great tribulation will only last three and one half years. There are no scriptures in the Bible that tell us the great tribulation lasts seven years, not one. So the scriptures are this: Daniel seven twenty-five, Revelation thirteen five, Daniel twelve seven, Revelation eleven two, Revelation eleven three. You remember where it says that the two witnesses will prophesy for twelve hundred and sixty days, and then Revelation twelve fourteen. All of those tell us that the great tribulation only lasts three and one half years. Sometimes it'll say time times and half a timer, time times in the dividing time. Sometimes it says 42 months, sometimes it says 1260 days, but all of those are three and one half years, the great tribulation. So I think what what she's looking for, the question that Sierra wanted was... She heard Over Baxter say there's only going to be a three and a half year, not a seven year. I think this is what she's referring to. Yeah.
1: There will be a final seven year period, but there's only a three and a half year Great Tribulation. So, yep. So, so many people are taught that there's a seven year tribulation. Right. And, you know, Brother Baxter would always make the. Uh statement hey i don't know why you're upset i just gave you a half off sale
0: (laughs) no i I know and i'm very thankful for that yeah absolutely yeah he'd say if you want a seven-year tribulation you can have one but that's not what the bible teaches right so yeah it's very cool i remember him saying that so that's awesome
1: well sierra had a part two to her question she also wanted to know if america will be part of the mark of the beast system in the final days there okay so we don't believe, according to Scripture, that the United States will
0: be fully involved in the world governing body in the end time. We're going to be resistant from that. We, America is resistant from it now. Yeah. Now, the Biden administration, they're not resistant. Right. Honestly, if tomorrow Doug, the Joe Biden and his administration, if they thought they could get away with it, and I know there would be, they, honestly, I think there would be civil war tomorrow morning, it, but... I think that he would be willing to yield up all of our sovereignty to the United Nations, the world governing body, and destroy our country. I think the Biden administration would do that. I know that's a strong statement, but he's a, he is a 110% globalist, Yeah, believes in a world governing body. So he would be willing to do that. However, that's not what the Bible says is going to happen. So, you know, for sake of time, I'll go through it real quick. When Daniel wrote the book of Revelation, or Daniel wrote the book of Daniel in Daniel 7, he saw four beasts. They, uh, The beasts symbolized nations that would be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. He saw a uh, lion with eagle's wings. The lion, Great Britain, the modern nation of Great Britain, the eagle's wings, the United States. He saw a bear, the Russian bear, uh, the modern-day nation of Russia, Germany, the four-headed leopard, um, and then... He saw a ten-horned kingdom, which is the current reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. So when you get to John's account in the book of Revelation, so that Daniel saw four beasts. When you get to John's account, he said, hey, I I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, one single beast. And he said it had the body of the leopard, Germany, the feet of the bear, Russia, the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, and the ten horns of the 10 horn kingdom, the, the, the current European Union. But the, so that's the 2,000-year-old prophecy of the world government that's currently currently being established, a federalization of nations that would form a world-governing body. The Bible says the entire world would wonder after this beast. However, the Bible tells us that there are specific nations that would not come under the rule of the Antichrist. Jordan's one of them, Daniel chapter 11, Israel's another one, because the world governing bodies at the battle of Armageddon will come, the world governing armies will come against Israel to battle. You do not invade a nation that you already control. Right. And then the United States. Yeah. If you look in Revelation chapter 13, the world governing body, the eagle's wings are not mentioned there. They're mentioned in Daniel 7, but not in Revelation 13. Yes. So the eagle's wings have come out of that body. They have, we're not going to be fully engaged with the world government. The Antichrist will not be in full control of the United States of America. What happened to the United States of America? Jump back one chapter to Revelation chapter 12. The Bible says that there's a war in heaven. Satan is overcome and defeated by Michael and the archangels. And he's bound to the earth. And I'm going to, I don't want to cut this in half. I know we're coming up to a break right now. So I'm going to dive right back off into this after the break. But this is a... It's kind of a comforting reassurance that the United States is not going to be fully engaged in the world government, and we do not believe that the mark of the beast will become the law of the land here in the United States, and we'll get into that more on the other side of the break, Doug.
4: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty?
0: So that's the thing, Doug. Is that it's it's kind of a, um, a, a, a reassuring fact for most people and, and, and a, a help uh, and a calming factor in many people's lives that the United States will not be fully engaged in the world governing body. Now I know it. I know the chaos going on in America. I know we've got a totally globalist administration in there pushing us into world government. But when you understand the prophecies of the Bible, that's why we say, that's why we do not teach prophecy as fear. We teach hope, faith, love, revival in the end time. God is with us. And when God's in your corner, that's all you need. I mean, period. Right? Uh, there's no safety in any other thing. So the United States, if you go to jump back one chapter to Revelation chapter 12, when my, uh, Satan is defeated by, the, by Michael and his archangels. Satan has no more access to heaven currently he has access to heaven once he's defeated no more access to heaven the Bible says Rejoice ye that are in heaven, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth Satan comes down into you having great wrath. That's the great tribulation he uh, It's right there at the last at the three and a half year mark prior to the second coming and He the Bible says he persecutes the woman in that chapter which is Israel and those that have to testimony Jesus Christ which is the church However, when it comes to the United States, the United States is not fully involved in the, war, in the world governing body. We do not believe that the, the mark of the beast, which will be a global numbering system and a pledge of allegiance to the Antichrist, thereby worshiping him, will become the law of the land here in the United States Right. And because of this prophecy. And so it's a reassuring fact. So a clear understanding of Revelation 12 and 13 have allowed us to be absolutely sure of two things. And again, everybody, we're, we're we're broadcasting from a the uh, our general conference here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're right out on the floor. I know we've got some noise all around us. Please bear you know bear with us. This this will all change on Monday. We'll be back in the studio and everything will be dead quiet. But we've got children's ministries and just people doing stuff all over us. So um, just bear with us. So uh, a, a clear understanding of Revelation twelve and thirteen very important. It has allowed us to be absolutely sure of two things. The United States will stand with Israel and protect Israel from the world government in the end time, period. The Bible says Israel's carried away on the wings of a great eagle. This is Revelation 12:14. Israel's carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she is nourished in her place for time, times, and half times. During the Great Tribulation, the United States stands with Israel against the world government. It protects her from the serpent in that chapter. And then, number two the United States will not be part of the world government, therefore will not come under the full reign of the Antichrist. Right. So uh, I don't think we're going to have to deal with the Mark of the Beast like much of the world will. You know that there are many states right now, Doug, that have laws that say a employer, it's against the law for an employer to force their people to take a chip in their hand. Right? There's about eight or nine states in the United States of America. Well, imagine if they come out with the Mark of the Beast system, there would be states that would just, it would, again, it could be, uh, at that point, I, I mean, I, 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 civil war would be a strong term, but I mean, I'm just saying there would be people that are just, it's totally mutiny of the ship at that point. right? And that's where, I mean, I'm, I'll never take it. I know you won't, and end time ministry is not a lot of people. there. Anybody who knows anything about the Bible, the Bible prophecy, it says no. I know people that don't know hardly anything about Bible prophecy, but they still know there's a time coming when they're going to put a chip or something in your yeah. hand or your forehead. I'm talking about people that don't, aren't in church, don't know anything about the Bible, yeah. but somehow or another they know there's a time coming
1: where I can't take a chip or something like that. So, Well, you know, there's <clears throat> there's been movies done about it, you know, The Mark of the Beast. There's been songs done about it, you know. People have an understanding that they know that's coming. They may not recognize the signs yep. that, like, that's why we're here trying to show them. But I think that... The a majority of people understand that there is coming a time because you can just say something about 666, oh, yeah. and the common person will look at you and go, Oh, that's the mark of the beast. Yep. So, yeah, it's and, and it's good that uh, people understand also that this scripture does give us that hope that America will not be part of that. So we get the question all the time, well, what about this vaccine? Could this vaccine be the mark of the beast? Right. We know it's not because we know it's not time for it to happen yet. But it is a precursor. It's one of those things where the world is trying to set people up for it.
0: So, yeah. yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. I, it's 666 is probably the most recognized number around the planet. I mean, I've been overseas. Before, yeah. and you can see graffiti on the side of a bridge or something six six six. Yeah, and I'm like, what in the? What, that's the last number I'd be painting on something. Really? But every, I mean, you you can go to Israel, you can go to all places, and you say six six six, everybody knows. Hey, right. the number of the devil. or they just they got their own opinion? So that's something yeah. that uh, people just know about. Um, and they're not. There will be a mutiny of the ship at that point. Yeah, that's why it's so important to be educated about this stuff. Absolutely. And so that's what we're here to do. So, okay, next question, Doug.
1: Okay, so this is from email. This is from Aurora, and Aurora wants to know who is the he of Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians two seven. Okay, so, um, so let me quote the scripture first. Second Thessalonians chapter two.
0: Let, let's go seven and eight. The Bible says, "For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only He—that's the question here—who now letteth will let until He be taken out of the way, and then that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the, um, with the Spirit of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming." So, who? The question again: Who is the He in Second Thessalonians two seven? So. The he in Second Thessalonians two seven is not referring to the church, right? Because Revelation thirteen seven specifically shows the antichrist warring against the saints, and saints are definitely part of the church, right? I mean, that's right. the church, the saints. So it's not referring to the church. Also, in the first four verses of Second Thessalonians chapter two, here Paul taught that the second coming and the rapture. Bible says that by the coming of our, if you read the chapter, it says by the coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto him. So he's talking about the second coming in the rapture, that that could not happen until there came a falling away first and the man of sin is revealed. The antichrist is revealed. So the he in verse seven cannot be the Holy Spirit. And I, that's, and the reason I brought them up is because a lot of people teach that the he here is the church or the whole, and or the Holy Spirit. Right. And so. Daniel 11 shows that the people who know their God during the tribulation are going to be strong into exploits. So, that also the two witnesses. I yeah. mean, if Revelation 11 shows the two witnesses ministering during the time. So, the two witnesses are going to be full of the Holy Ghost. Right. And so, the, the you know, did they miss the rapture? Or I just threw that out there. Yeah. So, the, the power that these people will use will inevitably be the power of the church. Right. That we use today, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. So yeah. it's not the church, it's not the Holy Spirit. So the question is, then who is it? Well, to understand the He is you have to understand verse six. A lot of people go to seven and eight, they don't even pay any attention to six. Right. But you've got to understand six. It plainly tells us that the factor holding the Antichrist back is time. That that it man it makes perfect sense because the prophecy of Daniel nine twenty-seven. We learn here. That in the middle of the final seven years, that's what Daniel 9.27 is, is uh, co- uh, prophesying, that the abomination of desolation takes place in the midst of that, the three-and-a-half-year mark. And so this is when the Antichrist reveals himself so that God has foretold the specific timing in the revealing of the Antichrist. He, we're not going to know him when he signs the peace agreement. Yeah. We're going to know him when he's revealed three-and-a-half years in. So God's timing is the factor here. So So it's holding
1: everything back.
0: Yeah. The Bible says that now we know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So the he in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 is referring to God or his timing. So God has determined the time the Antichrist will be revealed. And until that time is met, the Antichrist cannot be revealed. So it's the timing, God's time clock here that it's referring to. If you want to know about 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8, go to 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 yeah. and it tells you exactly now we know what withholdeth yeah. so very it's a great question you, as well
1: you, you made a great point too something that I had never realized till you just said it a while ago but uh You know, in Daniel chapter 11, it says those who know their uh, God will be strong and do exploits. Well, we can't be strong and do exploits if we don't have the Holy Spirit. So it can't be the Holy Spirit. Right. Jesus told us that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit cometh. That's where our power is going to come from to allow us to be strong and do exploits. That's exactly right. The Holy Spirit can't be taken out of the way. Amen. Great question. Okay, so the next question uh, we have, from that same uh, listener, says, Will the Antichrist come from the Grecian Empire based on Daniel 8.8? Okay, so
0: <clears throat> not necessarily just Greece, Doug, but Europe. Because, again, when you're studying these topics, you've got to look at the... Um, You've got to look at every verse that pertains to that topic. Yeah. And so, it, in Daniel 8, Daniel sees a ram fighting a he And verse 20-21 through 21 tells us that the ram, which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grisha. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Okay. So... Daniel, then you go to Daniel eight, verse eight and nine, which is the topic of the question here. Therefore, the Bible says the he goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn, which is Alexander the Great, and we're going to prove that, was broken, and for it came up four notable ones towards the wind. So, because we know Grisha here, well, this is what we're talking about. Uh, four notable ones came up. So when, and and out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceedingly great towards the south and towards the east, towards the, and towards the pleasant land. So after the death of Alexander the Great, this is a prophecy here in Daniel eight about Alexander the Great, which wasn't even on the earth at that point. Right. The Grecian Empire wasn't even on the earth. But Daniel's prophesying about things that would happen in the future. And it said so after the death, a little bit of history here. After the death of Alexander the Great, his kingdom was divided into four parts led by four generals. Cassandra ruled in, let's see, that was Macedonia and and Greece, so they went up into the European region. Mm-hmm. The um, Lysimachus controlled Thrace and Asia Minor, Seleucus ruled over much of the Middle East region, and then uh, Ptolemy re- reigned in Egypt, Cyprus, and, and in parts of Asia Minor. So Some of this area is part of modern day Europe and we know from other prophecies though that the Antichrist will come from the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the modern European Union. So again, when you tie all of this together, he doesn't necessarily just have to come to Greece. You remember that Alexander the Great's kingdom was divided into four and you say, well, he could come from the Middle East region. No, he can't because when you study other prophecies about the reborn Holy Roman Empire in Daniel two. Daniel 7 and other parts. He comes from the European Union as a whole. yeah. And so, um, yeah, not not just Greece, but from Europe is what right. we know. Yeah, from this and other prophecies. So that's a great question, though.
1: Yeah, you can tell that person's done their studying because yeah. uh, the same person asked another question, is it true that the old Roman Empire includes Greece, Turkey, Syria, and Egypt? Right. So
0: the answer is yes. I mean, according to reference.com, and, and many others. I mean you could, this is all over the internet, but and and in history, but at the height of the Roman Empire it covered much of Europe, uh, Turkey, it also included what territories in the Middle East um, and Africa that later became what Syria, Iraq, uh, Cyprus, Lebanon, uh, Jordan, Israel. It, you say, well Israel? Yeah, I mean you remember when, at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, that there were Roman soldiers. there. Were, if, if, yeah. For any of you that have, that have watched The Chosen, you can see the oppression of the Romans just everywhere in Israel. Well, Rome ruled the world at that point. Yeah. They were in Egypt, Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco. I mean, they were all over the place. So they ruled the world. So, yeah, the, the answer to that is absolutely yes. we got more coming up, Doug. Uh, so God bless you, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We're in Indianapolis. Okay, Doug. So, um, yeah. So now, I, what I want to mention here is the the educated questions that we're getting. I mentioned that in the in the beginning of the program that we're getting. You know, the crazier this thing gets, we're getting. It's getting. Um, the questions are getting very educated. You can see these people have been studying and they've been following us and they've been wondering, and and, hey, what's going on? I know that there are many Bible studies going on. There are people teaching this in their Sunday school classes. There are pastors that are wanting to be able to teach their churches. All over the world, we're getting people. I talked to somebody from Ireland today that wanted our, our missionary in Ireland that wanted our charts and the timelines and things to be able to teach and share around there. So uh, we're getting it from all over the world. Very educated people that say, hey, what about this? I want to fine-tune my teaching. And that's what this is all about. These Q&A sessions help people to learn. Because sometimes you don't even know the questions to ask. You want to know more, but and then when you hear these Q and A sessions, everybody's like, "Oh my goodness, I didn't even think to ask that." And so I know we we've both hit that over the years, and we've had to discuss. I've had to come to you and say, "Uh, Doug, what do you think about this one? You know, and uh, it's it's been a learning experience for all of us, and we've all grown. So I love doing these Q and A segments. It's
1: awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Well, you know, Dave. So talking about that, we're going to get into something here. Uh, where you're going to have to pull from history and, and maybe educate some people that's never even heard of this before. Yeah, but this is a great question. It, it came from Facebook, and it's Callum who asked this question. Right. And his question is: Why did Antiochus uh, Epiphanes not fulfill the Antichrist prophecy in Daniel eleven thirty one? And that, that says, an arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. So that's his question. And, and so now you're going to explain, and people will understand why that is a very in-depth question. Yeah, so, and honestly, there are more people than you would think that
0: believe this. Yeah. And but there are many reasons why it was not Antiochus Epiphanes. So number one, right off the bat, I want everybody to know that Antiochus Epiphanes lived from uh, 215 BC to 164. Some so I some some places say 163, some places 164 to 164 BC. Yeah. So we know that um, if you know, so if, for perspective that the Jerusalem was destroyed in seventy A.D. and uh, the temple was torn down, and so he lived what uh, at least a couple hundred years before that, even.
1: So he's in the first temple era, right? Yeah. So he would be. Um, it would be no. after. Um, it would be before the second temple that That's had cr- been yeah, built, yeah. which is what Jesus was talking about, which you'll get to. I yeah,
2: guess yeah. Is so what I anyway. Say.
0: Uh, yeah, so so what, what happens here? Just let me give you a little history. So after the death of Alexander the Great, his kingdom was divided into four parts led by four generals. Again, um, Cassander ruled Macedonia and Greece, uh, Lysimus controlled Thrace, Asia Minor, Seleucus ruled over Middle East, and then Ptolemy was Egypt, Cyprus, and parts of Asia Minor. So Antiochus IV became the leader of the Seleucids in 174 B.C. He changed his name to Antiochus Epiphanes. The name Epiphanes meaning God manifest. So, uh, you know, the Bible says the Antichrist will confirm uh, will uh, ca- claim to be God and exalt himself above God. So a lot of people thought, well, hey, Antiochus Epiphanes claiming to be God. And so, or, or it could also mean the manifestation of divine supernatural beings. So after assigning himself to this self-exalting name, no one should have been surprised at some of the things that he proceeded to do. And so I can, if you just look at this on the surface, you could say, well, you know what? Maybe that was. Yeah. And a lot of people have been caught up in that. However, in 168 BC, Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem, removed the sacred objects from the Jerusalem temple at that time, and slaughtered a large number of Jews and he, he then imposed a tax and established a fortress in Jerusalem Antiochus tried to suppress uh, public observance of Jewish laws in an attempt to impose total control over the Jews so his government outlawed the Jews scriptures and forbade circumcision on the penalty of death and then it banned sabbath observance set up an idol of Jupiter on the temple mount and the uh, the, which the obviously the ultimate Desecration. And then, according to Josephus, Antiochus even forced Jews to sacrifice swine flesh upon the temple's altar. So, over the years, people have said, "Well, hey, he is—he's fulfilled the Antichrist um, prophecy of Daniel eleven thirty-one, and arms shall stand on his part. They shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that, that, that make a desolate." Well, so. The answer to that is no. Again, on the surface, if you look at it, you would say, "You know what? Wow, man, he actually kind of did that." Yeah. However, you got to look at the timing of everything. Exactly. So, Antiochus Epiphanes, again, 215 BC to 164 BC. So, so that's before Jesus. That's before Jesus, before Jesus. ever came in. Absolutely. In, yeah. So that's okay. the, that's one of my main key points. Right. Um, so the final 7 years of prophecy is described in Daniel 927. The Bible says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, a seven-year period. In the middle of the seven He will put an end to sacrifice and offering and and the temple He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out upon Him. A lot of people said, well, hey, that's Antiochus Epiphanes did that, so that was Him. But the question is, was the He that will confirm the covenant in Daniel 927 Antiochus Epiphanes. Well, this is an easy question to answer because the he, in Daniel nine twenty three things. He confirms the covenant. He causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and he sets up the abomination of desolation. Okay, so in, here, here's one thing that everybody needs to be aware of. In Daniel chapter 11 verses 20 through 45, it's referring to the Antichrist. There's the kings of the north, kings of the south, and everything, all the way down to 19, and then boom. When you hit 20, verses 20 through 45, the rest of that's the Antichrist. Right. And, um, then, in, so, in Dan, with that said, in Daniel 11, 21 through 22, it states that the Antichrist, the final king of the north, will be the prince of the covenant. So, remember Daniel nine twenty-seven, he confirms the covenant. This says the Antichrist will be the prince of the covenant. So it's the Antichrist that will confirm the covenant. Daniel 11.31. So, and it says the Antichrist and his partners will take away the daily sacrifice. Daniel 11.31 again says that the Antichrist and his partners will place the abomination that make it desolate. Remember, we're answering the question here. Was the Antiochus Epiphanes the he in Daniel 9.27? According to these scriptures, no. So the Antichrist confirms the covenant. The Antichrist causes the sacrifice and the oblation to stop. The Antichrist places the abomination that makes desolate. So it's easy. The he in Daniel nine twenty seven is the Antichrist. Now, that's one proof. Number two, though, Jesus prophesied. Now, this gets to your point that you made. Again, so let me give you the dates again. Antiochus Epiphanes was here from 215 BC to 164 BC. When Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 24, he said that the abomination of desolation would be a future event from his time, and that would that would take place at the end of this age. In Matthew 24, uh, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, now, the time... Well, so let me get into that. Yeah. So it, the the timing here, very important, yeah. because in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus is answering the question, what's going to be the sign of your coming in of the end of the age? So when Jesus is saying, when you see the abomination of desolation, he's talking about the end of the age where we're at, Doug. Right. And so he's not talking about a past or a historic event. He's talking about a future event right. towards the end of the age. So. You got a point? No. I was, okay. No. Um, yeah, don't, don't take a breath because I'll call on you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this is like a this is like an auction. If you raise your right. hand, I'm calling on you, man. <laughs> so um, when you get to understand the final seven years, the final seven years of the prophecy is described in Daniel 9.27. He will confirm the covenant with for one year. So it, it talks about a final seven-year period. But listen at this. He puts an end to the sacrifice and offering. What's meant by the sacrifices? Well, You understand that a future Middle East agreement is going to allow the Temple Mount to be placed under a sharing arrangement, and they're going to be allowed to build their third temple, and they're going to resume sacrifices. So he's going to cause those sacrifices to cease, not back where Antiochus Epiphany came out on the scene. It's Jesus is prophesying, Daniel's prophesying future towards the end of this age where we're at. That's what Jesus was referring to as well. The abomination of desolation is simply... When the Antichrist and this is where so the abomination of desolation appears many times in scriptures. But the most important one, Matthew twenty-four, fifteen, when Jesus said, When you see the abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place. Again, he's in the Olivet Discourse. He's talking about our era, our generation. The holy place is in the temple, uh, on and or at least on the Temple Mount. And so and then the Apostle Paul actually described it in more detail in Second Thessalonians two, verse three through four. He said the second coming of Jesus uh, would not occur until the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, was revealed. And he went on to say that the Antichrist would actually sit in the temple of God claiming to be God. Well, where does the abomination of desolation occur? In the temple. It's when the Antichrist will stand in the temple and claim to be God. Jesus said that event would happen in our era, at the end of the age, not a historical event. So there are many reasons why Antiochus Epiphanes did not fulfill Daniel 11.31, the taking away of the sacrifices and the abomination of desolation, Jesus prophesied that that would be a future event. So,
1: very important. And that's a wonderful question. It's almost as if Jesus knew. That this would be something <laughs> yeah, somebody would yeah, bring exactly. up. And he could point back to yep. Daniel and say, no, this is that particular scripture. That's right. It's talking about a future event that's going to happen during the this second temple era. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, another thing that's interesting, Dave, I just want you to kind of touch on this because I know we don't have very much time left. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, the second temple, uh, that prophecy wasn't complete because not every stone was you know, turn from the other. Uh, speaking of the Western Wall, but right, right. will you kind of explain that? What is the Western Wall? It's not really part of the temple, is no. it? Right. So the temple was.
0: Um, so there was a temple originally. Zerubbabel and all of them came back out of Babylonian captivity, and they built the second temple. But when Herod came, King Herod came on the scene, he beautified the temple and he built that huge platform that's sitting there now. That was not the temple. The temple was destroyed. Every stone was torn down and done away with they don't even know specifically where the temple stood uh currently today that now they speculate but because the temple was torn down so the wailing wall is part of the platform that herod built when he came on the scene and beautified it um it was not the fortress of antonio the temple did actually stand right. up there but they did tear the temple down again today they they speculate where it was but they don't know a hundred percent um and, of course, we know that it's probably going to be built. The future third temple will be built on that platform, the, the 10 acres or so north of the Dome of the Rock, uh, because the Bible says it's going to be placed under a sharing arrangement. But still, the, the the actual foundation of that, they don't know that for sure where it's at because it was torn down. Like Jesus said, he prophesied in Matthew 24 that not one stone will be left upon another. They they don't know 100% where it was built today. Um, so, uh, yeah, wonderful question. and. Doug, man, I wish we had ten hours. I wish we had the rest of the week because um, there's so many good questions that we have. Uh, but man, we, we got to wrap it up for today. But again, everybody, uh, I'm sorry for the ambient noise in the background. We're in Indianapolis, and uh, we'll be we'll be back in the studio on Monday. Thank you for joining me today, Doug. It's Absolutely. been good being with you. Uh, We've been had a great conference this week. God bless each and every one. Have a great weekend. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, and we pray for y'all, and we love y'all. Thank you for supporting End been Time Ministries. This End of the
5: Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.